Do you have your open? No, you don't. You don't have your open backs on. No. Very good. Did I fuck up the last recording? Some no. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't even touched the like, dude. That episode has to come out in like five hours, and I haven't even edited it yet. So chip chop, gonna smash this one out and then <laughs> go edit right. what is now last week's episode. <laughs> Hello, everyone, listening Hello. to this before uh, this episode ends. <laughs> you know I'm gonna put it in. I think I'm editing this one. Oh, it's you, one. though. Fuck. Put it in. <laughs> I didn't peek. I got very close to peeking, but I did not peek. And while we're at it, let's have a peek at this episode of the 250 Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the 250, the podcast where the only cause worth fighting for are the lost causes. I'm Jonathan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Douglas. How are you, Douglas? Spoken like a true artist. I can't. It's 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 phenomenal. We have it's a fantastic. Nope. It's a good day today, Jonathan. It's a good day to be late for your podcast deadlines. If this is your first time <laughs> tuning into the two five zero, we've taken a snapshot of IMDb's top two hundred fifty movies of all time as of January twenty twenty, and we've begun watching them from number two hundred fifty through to number one. In this podcast, we discuss our opinions, our thoughts, and our reactions to the movies within. Today's movie, number 190, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. This is our worst opening yet. After the death of a senator, a wealthy political boss is looking for a new lackey to fill a Senate seat and keep his personal plans in motion. Jefferson Smith, the bright-eyed and innocent head of the Boy Rangers, is selected, but his positivity and love for his country is more than the corrupt heads bargained for. Uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is directed by Frank Capra of It Happened One Night fame, and it's written by Sidney Buckman and based on a story by Lewis R. Foster. Yes. It Happened One Night came in the early uh, section of our 250 adventures, came in at number 233 Mm. in our snapshot. So it's uh, it's nice to have a little bit of Capra back in action and uh, get some of that fucking... Gorgeous optimism, man. He really is an optimistic prick. Mm. Frank Capra. Frankie! Yeah, Frankie! (laughs) Nah, man, like, shit, this is a really good film. Yeah. I really enjoyed this, and it surprised me how well it has stood up, you know? Like, in terms of... Uh, we talk about this a lot with some of the uh, older films that we get here on the 250. It's always interesting to see whether they truly are timeless, whether regardless of the amount of time that's passed, whether it still has a lasting effect, which I guess is fucking all a director can really hope for with their film, isn't it? If if their film can be timeless. I think, yeah, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is really quite timeless. The romantic kind of optimism that Capra has in this film is, yeah, really nice. Yeah. And I like it. Yeah, he's a positive little guy. Mm. Uh, Yeah. It was it was nice to and I guess in some ways it's a fairly simple film. Yeah. Yeah, would you agree? She's pacey though. Holy shit. Like the fir- if you're not keeping up in that first act, dude, you better fuck you got some learning to do cuz like <laughs> the editing and the dialogue is just so like pa 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 pa. But I think that's also kind of Capra, I think from memory with it happened one night he did that in that sense as well the the pacing and the dialogue was very it was like fucking someone just put the full stop on their sentence and someone just started their next line you know like it's they're exchanging breath for breath there's no real like pauses or hesitation and when there is it's you know it's very dignified and um Mm. intentional yeah uh having one night has obviously more of a romantic focus yes 
And the romance in this film is not similar, but it's sort of... It feels it feels similar. It feels more old style. I don't know, vintage kind of very. Uh, these days, it's pay my numbers, and it's always this problem we have where you look at old films and you're like, "Is that uh, you know, is that predictable and hackneyed, or did these guys uh, set the bar? Was it was it new when they did it? Who knows? Hmm. But also, it doesn't need to be mind blowing. Who did and- what first? Kind of a yeah. So. Yeah, I I, uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk about it more in a sec, but there's yeah. the romance to it is quite nice. Mm. Mm. We're really completely just missing the main point of the film, which is this kind of- <laughs> Politics. Yeah, it's all politics. It's it's like, it's not that complex of a concept, really. No, but- it's- I mean, coming from someone who isn't that politically engaged- <laughs> It's relatively easy to, yeah, for me to get a grasp of what was going on. And because Jefferson Smith is such a, uh, he's the green kid on the block, Mm. there's a lot of very natural exposition of things being explained to Jefferson that also in turn help explain for the audience, which I think is a very clever way of expositing information at your audience, because that's utilising what the character is fundamentally. And then using that as a purpose and a a vessel for your uh, screenplay, making sure everyone's on the same page. And we're all at a, like, lowest common denominator level of understanding of what is going on, Mm. which is good. Yeah. It's not not complex, but there is still some decent, like, twists and turns to- where the story goes, yeah, and the and the kind of stakes to the whole situation. You you sort of think you're gonna you know where it's gonna go, and I I don't know I don't know whether it was obvious. Did you did you kind of preempt? I didn't really. No, nah, I didn't preempt anything. I was completely along for the ride. Mm. Really, mm. I think that's part and parcel to the amazing fucking cast of actors that Capra was able to work with. That's obviously a very dedicated cast to mm. their characters. They are fucking Gene Arthur, Jimmy Stewart, Claude Rains, uh, Mr. Man, Edward Arnold. You can't ask for better than that bunch. They are in oh, fucking Gene Arthur and Jimmy Stewart in particular for me mm. were just like, yeah, delightful actors. Yeah. How they managed to really capture an audience and really make you believe in their circumstances and care about their circumstances is, yeah, it's sick. They're Mm. incredibly talented actors. And Jimmy Stewart genuinely seems like the kind of man that, like, if you told him the sun was about to explode tomorrow, he would still be, like, smiling and like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) well, (laughs) I guess we better have ourselves a picnic or something um like. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Does he have that same kind of- Wait, he's in Vertigo. Oh. Mm. Wait, that Vertigo? Yeah, Hitchcock's Vertigo. Okay, fuck. Yeah, Hitch and Cocken. Is he as positive in uh, in Vertigo as he is in this? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, is we'll Vertigo find in out. the thing? Vertigo is in the thing, I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh, it's got to yeah, be, Yeah, Vertigo sure. is number 90. Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I guess we will. Does Hitchcock break Jimmy Stewart? Tune in three years <laughs> later to find Jimmy out. Does he make Jimmy Stewart miserable? <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Because genuinely, the only bit that I knew about James Stewart is there's this bit that Jim Carrey did when he was briefly doing stand-up before he made, like, Ace Ventura and The Mask and all that shit. 
there's this one recorded thing of him doing stand-up and he's doing impressions and they're incredibly mm. good. Mm. And he does a Jimmy Stewart impression, which I always laughed at, but I never actually knew, like, I hadn't seen Jimmy Stewart in action. Uh. So, I didn't, like, I didn't have a basis for it. But, yeah, Jim Carrey is, like, he's the most optimistic motherfucker in the world. Like, yeah, and, like, you, you really feel it in this. You can feel, like, the optimism and the drive and the fire that Jimmy Stewart brings to this role. Mm. It's, ah, yeah, it's gorgeous. American patriotism as, like, an underpinning theme for a film is kind of fun E. It's kind of funny. Yes. Where, yeah. where I, it's, it's almost like- It feels a bit screwball comedy to me at points, you know? Mm. It's- I mean, my key point is that it's just like, as an Australian, I'm like, oh, I mean, sure. <laughs> Fine. I'm like, imagine yeah, thinking right. that governments are good in uh, general. Like, they're full of I, dickwads. I wrote down that I forgot that it wasn't mandatory for everyone to vote. I forgot that that was a thing that mm. happens in America. Oh, yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. Is, that's still a thing, right? Like, it's not mandatory for everyone to vote. No, it was um, the last- the election was like one of the highest voter turnouts in US history and it was like oh, 70% what the fu- or something. So it's still not mandatory. No, it's never going to be mandatory because you know if it was mandatory the Republicans would never get voted in again. <laughs> True. <laughs> that is literally it's just like if you have any anyway, uh, Oh, we're on, we're on packing a fucking can of worms right here like No, if you have low Send income it. there are no openings for you to vote in America and that's why yeah. the Republicans keep getting voted in. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. It's a shit system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why I like, perhaps why I like Mrs. Smith Goes to Washington so much, is that Capra paints this ideology of American uh, politics and patriotism and everything that is so uh, idealistic. You know, mm. like uh, honesty and decency will always overcome greed and corruption and capitalism well not capitalism in this case but that's okay (laughs) well yeah yeah but you know what i mean like it's very it's very it's such a wonderland that capra paints and you really want to there's i i really want to be like yeah that's how it ended that's how americans politics happen and then you get the the nice little stab of reality in the, the guts but like for that you know for this 100 and 29 minute period of time it it definitely wraps you up in that nice warm blanket and just it's okay you're all right <laughs> i think it, i think there's yeah there's nothing distinctly wrong about a nice bit of kind of let's say unrealistic positivity yeah yeah as long as it's kind of directed the right way and yeah uh, as long as know. it's like healthy you know um which but- i think this is there's a lot there was a lot of debate around the film, when it came out, obviously, there was a bit mm. of a backlash from certain parties and people. But I- How yeah, dare I, you I, accurately I, represent me and my views <laughs> <laughs> and my behaviour? I, I think that this is a genuinely good conversation that Capra is adding to mm. the world, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's damaging in any real way. It's just- It's a his own little fucking, yeah, wonderland. Yeah, which is good. Visually- Actually, yeah, this is. I feel like this is always a. It's not really something you really want to hold against these kinds of films. There's always a little like filmmaking. We we'd call it a goof. Things like, like what a goof. 
slight zooms in like the same scene. So yes, I don't know if they're like trying to trying to hide a cut or that kind of thing. That happens a couple of times, especially in this beginning. Mm. That happens a bunch, and it's shit that like the new Milan film does really badly and people yes. absolutely fucking chewed them out for that true but then it's like yeah you know this is still this is like f- fledgling uh, the beginning of this as an art form you know it's still fairly yeah. new so you're like yeah yeah whatever mm. it's fine mm. you get a pass mm. this time they're, they're toying with it you know and capra's capra's is yeah, yeah this you're on the nice yeah, capra yeah, but i'll let you get away with it this time get the fuck out of here what movie was it? What was the that with the hand and everything? That's, um, Irishman. Irishman, yeah. Get oh, the fuck out! I was the gentleman. I forgot what that is, but it's the definitely gentleman. Else. Uh, the gentleman is uh, Guy Ritchie. So close, but not quite. Still haven't watched that. I really should. Good time. I liked it. There's a couple of things wrong with it, but like you know, whatever. Hey, there's a couple of things wrong with every movie, like the things I exactly. was just talking about. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's not visually like mind blowing, really. No, I th- no. I think there's. Yeah, the the shots are fairly simple, but you kind of, you know, you could maybe say that it sort of emulates the way that, which I assume wasn't the thing back then, but you it like emulates how you might film a real, what's it called, like a real Senate floor in a, Debate, a lot of those, yeah. a lot of those mm. big like uh, overhead Senate, shots yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. like that, mm, um, mm. which which aren't there all the time. The rest of them are like fairly fairly obvious, but like not ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just ground floor shots. Gets a job done, baby. They they love their videography of the old um, Lincoln Memorial. Yes. Was, I wonder if the- It's the same cinematographer who did it. It happened one night, by the way. Right. Yeah. Okay. So- uh, Are you talking about the Capitol Dome? No. That that no. Was? The, the obelisk. I don't- I don't know. I see that was there. Oh, then. the- um. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, the, the, the monument thingy that's by the big thing of water. Um, it's like, it's on- <laughs> Also, fucking our American listeners <laughs> are like <laughs> seething with their patriotic rage. Ah, oh, fuck them. <laughs> it's just the Washington Monument. Washington Monument, yeah. Within the National Mall, that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, they didn't really, or maybe they did. Maybe I'm forgetting stuff. He does do his like little trip around Washington, but he kind of just like goes like, "There's the dome," and like, "There's Lincoln Memorial." Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's really cute when he when he. Oh well, uh, this isn't really spoilers, I guess. The, he, there's a moment where Jefferson witnesses all of the the you know the staple sites of Washington, mm. and I think that that's there's a very good point in the film, you know, where you can really actually get behind who Jefferson is and his morals and his integrity and everything. I think that's a very good reinforcing point for for me. It was that was where I was like, yeah, I'm with you all the way, baby. Fucking where we're going to the Senate. Let's do it. <laughs> all the way. Sky's the limit. Get him on a rocket ship. Let's take him to the moon. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> First man on the moon. <laughs> which is which is nice enough, I guess basically and you know the, every everything else is i like his uh, there's one of the offices that has like a million like uh photos and or i i don't know if they were photographs or paintings or whatever just like completely covering the walls i think it's like Payne's office maybe yes yes it is yes 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 that's cute and i think that's trying to like kind of say something about his connections perhaps actually um, yeah come to think of it the sets especially for like the second and the third act of the film the sets are very like uh, you, you, there's like a, a 
select a bunch and you just cycle through them all, you know? Like, there's mm. no, there's nothing really new introduced, which is perhaps a budget thing, but, like, also just kind of nice from, like, a, a story standpoint so that you're not, like, being battered with, like, too much new information. Mm. Uh, at least for me, again, from someone who's not particularly politically engaged i was still like trying to you know keep up with the dialogue more so than anything because again fuck me they really keep the pace on their dialogue Mm. it's like it's it's stage level of dialogue delivery you know which is like as soon as that breath escapes your lips and you you are done and i know your line is done because that's what the script is i am beginning my line and if you fuck your line up or you hesitate motherfucker i don't care i'm saying my words we're stomping <laughs> through it we're keeping the fucking energy exactly. going pacey yeah. pacey pace um yeah uh which Good. which is Love do you that. think there's much of a comparison to like actual comparison to stage stuff or do you think it's just sort of well, I that think the Senate itself is it. a bit theatrical, you know, like the, the whole structure of the Senate is basically mm. a theatre. You've got like the amphitheatre of the audience up the top. And then I like how the kid, you know, is like, <laughs> there's the press over there. There's the there's the fucking Gustavatikis over there. He doesn't sound like that. But you get my point. I like how, as I was saying earlier, we learn about the Senate through Jefferson. And as I was looking at it, I was like, this is just one big fucking theatre where just people stand up and they talk for a little bit. But then rather in theatre, people talk for a little bit and then nothing happens afterwards. In mm. the Senate, people talk and then about, I want to say like 25 to 20% of the time, there is actual movement afterwards, <laughs> after the fact, you know? There's stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. There's there's things outside of that building, that space. Mm. But still, fundamentally, it's like one or two dudes just talking at each other. Yeah. Which is, yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I can only imagine the, the power and the resonance that you would have needed to have had in your voice to be able to fucking stand a chance in that, in that space, you know? Mm. Yeah, okay. So- yeah, I don't know. That's my take on it. I don't know if they really, uh, mm. if they kind of went went with that much in the like. If they were really, I, I think it kind of felt like he was sort of projecting his his voice like he would be in the real building. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, quite yeah. a, he's quite a he's noisy, got- noisy person now, Mister Smith. Yes, yeah, he does have a good set of bloody. He's got a good larynx on him. <laughs> got, a, got a good peril. Uh, 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 I don't know. I was gonna, I was gonna try and do a bit where I was like a. A pushy, gross, cat calling man. The like, tip of the tongue, nice, the teeth and the nice lips. larynx. Nice larynx, baby. When does <laughs> that <the> open? <laughs> <laughs> On Sundays at 5 p.m. We're getting out of here. Jonathan, would you recommend this film? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's very much, it's a similar energy to um, Happen One Night where there's yeah. just kind of- yeah very positive it's very pure it's pretty simple compared to some of the kind of newer shit that we've dealt with i would say that if you know what capra is and like what he stands for then you know Mm. what you're getting into with this and then fuck it i say this I, i i say this a lot like i feel like i'm talking to dead air whenever i do this shit because if you know what capra is then you've already seen this film you know what i mean (laughs) so like fuck what's our point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a good, it's a good like no stress entry into. If you didn't watch, totally. If you didn't watch it one night, mm. good entry mm-hmm. into this this kind of era of film, um, this era of Hollywood. Yes, 
you know, very not not low effort, but you know, it's not going to stress you out. Yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. which is always good. I'm always a fan mm. of that. I'm here to watch Jimmy Stewart get dishevelled and uh, just become a absolute sweating raucous mess. Oh, also, uh, it should be noted that uh, The Simpsons uh, does a, a parody of Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And uh, obviously, I recommend this film. I think this is a very good film. And I let's uh, with that with that in mind, you know, just in in your head, let's head on over into Spoiler Town now. I believe the senator has yielded the floor. <laughs> Yield this, Senator Payne. You spoiled the spoiler time siren. <laughs> well, we're heading- spoiled the spoiler. Fucking. So- don't, does, he doesn't even know what the word spoil means. Well, you spoil, you let them know what the- You ruined the joke. What's coming. I think- We'll cut it so that just censorly <laughs> Um Do you- do you, This might be very off the cuff. You might have to think about it for a second. But do you like okay. this one or it happened one night better? This one? This one. Uh, acting wise, I think behind the scenes, I like it happened one night more because no one wanted to do that <laughs> film, but Frank Capra made it happen and then fucking everyone Oscars and shit because of it. But this one, I think from a story base and a just like as a film itself, I wouldn't rewatch It Happened One Night. I would look back at the history of It Happened One Night and like what happened with that because it's a fucking hilarious story to recount. But I would rewatch Mr. Smith Goes to Washington absolutely purely for Jimmy Stewart and Gene Arthur because those two performances. Mm, they did a uh, they did a pretty good job with that, didn't they? I cannot fault Jimmy Stewart at all. He is literally pitch perfect mm. in this fucking film. The bit where he's um talking to Mrs. Payne, and he keeps on dropping his hat, and the cinematography like focuses in on his hat, so it really like makes a whole bit of him like fumbling with his hat all the time. And then he does a bit where he like stumbles over the lamp and everything. It's just it's all so <laughs> fucking genuine. And uh, I want to watch it again so I can like really properly analyze and figure out how does he make it mm. so real? How does he make it so authentic and just so easy to get behind yeah. him, you know? I mean, it's I guess it's not fucking rocket science, but, like, it's, you know, it's just interesting. He's an mm. interesting man to watch. Watch him act and listen to him talk. Like, some of the, some of the like, mental fucking rants that he goes on when he's standing up in the Senate are mm. fucking fantastic. There's some real, uh, real rippers in there. Um, that may- genuinely made me go like, "Ooh, wow! I, I'm I'm feeling things." <laughs> I I sort of um, it's not like I had a problem, but I the final like speech, I feel like it didn't have as much punch as I was kind of looking for. Like he's Dude, the the whole ending in general. I was oh okay, the yeah. film's done now. The bit where the president is like leaning back in his chair and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like the end, and I'm like, oh, no comeuppance for pain. No, we don't get to know whether Jefferson is actually all right. It's okay, but like that's that's also very common, I think, for the era as well. Forty style film ending where it's like everything is handled they- and everyone lives <laughs> happily ever after. Good night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do, yeah, do, yeah. Do. They end before curtains close. They end before it probably should end. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. 
Which, I don't know, I guess it, it ties into the the idea of a living narrative, I suppose. You know, what happens to Mr. Payne, we can but assume. Mm. But, yeah. Uh. Um, oh, uh, point. Um, I have only seen footage of the Senate during the Trump riots. That's it. Oh. That's the only time I've actually seen inside the Senate. And you know where there's all the, there were all those dudes like rummaging through the senator's desks yeah, yeah, and everything, yeah. and they're like, "There's got to be some shit in here somewhere." Yeah. <laughs> Fucking all of that. And I was like, "Wow!" Like you know, I was watching that footage, and I was just like, "Yeah, whatever." But then we get those first shots of the Senate and like Jefferson like walking into the Senate and you know getting settled in and everything. And there's all those really like wide long shots of it, and I'm like, "It was like the hugest PTSD coursing through <laughs> my veins." I was just like. I, I imagine the dude with the helmet, you know, and the cape and everything standing where the president's chair is. And I was like, ah, oh, it was just so weird. That room has not changed in like 80, 90 fucking years. That's insane. Mm. I think I think the, yeah, it hasn't had loads of the way, like in terms of renovation, that seems kind of like on brand with. Because fucking American tradition and all that shit. So, you know, you can't. Yeah. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. You know, which so, you're like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, might, might right. be onto something there. <laughs> it was just, it was so weird, like seeing yeah. just the Senate. I and like the only prior experience of me being that horrific fucking event. It was just so like <laughs> I was immediately like oh. <laughs> yeah. fight, fight or flight, just instantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've actually been there, Douglas. Have you and really? I, wow, I have. like in yes. the room. Like in the the bit where the guests are and everything, or yeah, I think so. Wow, I think so. It's a little bit of a blur, the Capitol building. But do you reckon it'd be easy to break into? <laughs> uh, look, Douglas, probably not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Actually, hey, they basically did a nine well, eleven to it, and now yeah, no one's ever going to go in there ever Fort again. Fort Knox now, yeah, yeah. It's like the airports, same shit, same shit, same deal. I I do wonder if it was a set. Mm. Maybe. They do- it, it is empty a lot of the time. Like, not a lot of the time, a lot of the time. But, you know, those dudes are fucking around doing other shit a lot. And they would have spent a lot of time filming there, you know? Mm. So, like, surely fucking, you know, the Senate has to move on. They can't fucking stop while Mr. Man sets up cameras and <laughs> does shit in the fucking Senate. But maybe. Maybe they could have. <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows how much- reach fucking Frank Capra had after five years after it happened one night, you know? Mm. I don't know. In different, completely irrelevant to what we were talking about, uh-huh. Happy's Kids. Oh, my God. I love those little The dudes. kids at the dinner table. Come on, Dan. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was giving him shit about having, like, very flat, boring shots, but that one's excellent. I love that. So where it, like, cuts back and forth with, like, yeah. the kids. I completely take that back. I'm an idiot. That's that's completely wrong. You that, wouldn't like, want anyone else. Jefferson Smith, he's the guy. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> yeah, Dad, get Jefferson Smith. Get Jefferson Smith, Dad. The Boy Ranger guy. <laughs> he's the Boy Ranger. He's amazing. The Boy Ranger guy, Dad. They're, they're Dad. all phenomenal. They, they are so happy to be there, man. Yeah. Surprisingly good child actors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, across the board as well. The mm. dude who brings uh, Jefferson into the, into the building and everything. Like, yeah, he man had his lines down pat. He was not afraid to fucking yeah. deliver those lines. He was he was ready. Quite a few young boys going around in that uh, in that set, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. 
It's a wild move. So that's, yeah. that's gutsy in and of itself. That deserves praise to have yeah. that many child actors and have it like sort of work out pretty fucking well. In a space where nine times out of ten they're going to have to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Mm, mm. Who knows? Maybe discipline was perhaps a little bit easier back in the, in the late 1930s. Someone out of frame with a whip. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Capra with the fucking the paddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, perform your lines perfectly, boys. I just have a, lo- a note here. It must be somewhere near the beginning. But I just wrote down Jeff wiping spit away. There's a there's a bit where someone says something to him and he like mm. he like very obviously like wipes the spit like off his <laughs> cheek after they said it at him. And there's just this little moments like that that make me chuckle in this fucking mm. movie. There's so many, like, little tiny comedy moments. The bit where um, it's one of Taylor's goon dudes, he's in the phone booth and he's ringing mm. someone up, and then there's this hugely long take of him trying to get out of the phone booth and, like, the dude's so fat that he's, like, trying to, like, really fucking work his way out, but it's it's a real struggle. Shit had me in hysterics because there's no score. There's no, like, there's just nothing. <laughs> he just lets the camera roll while this dickhead, ri- like, genuinely is trying his best to get out of this fucking phone booth. <laughs> We've completely missed the comedy part of this film. And I think that is fairly important. We just focused on the politics, a subject in American uh, American politics, a subject we know near, near to nothing about. And instead... Well, to be fair, we were doing the classic thing of avoiding talking about comedy, which in this podcast is, is fairly key. <laughs> what are we going to say about the comedy? Yeah, but God, no. Uh, man said line. It was funny. It was funny, but man it is- slip on peel. Funny. <laughs> it, it, they, they totally take- no, Fuck, my brain keeps going to the word obvious, and it's so bad. They, they keep going with this you know, extremely innocent character and just kind of- amping it up he's very bright eyed and gets excited about everything gets distracted about everything immediately fucking bolts and just goes like I'm gonna go around Washington DC and they're like where is this motherfucker what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna fire his ass we we brought his pigeons and shit fucking uh yeah he's such a he's such a a country boy so a little country country bumpkin I wish I had more examples of this. Um, there is some spots where there's some, like, pretty good, I guess, like, subconscious framing of other characters. The example that comes to mind is Taylor sort of towering over all the other people. He's a very imposing uh, character. Yes. Mm. And there is a scene where Mr. Smith kind of stands up to him and literally- Stands up and goes like, oh, "No, I'm not going to do what you want me to tell. Uh, what what, mm. what want me to do?" And in turn, towers back over him. You know what that is, Jonathan? That's called staging mm. or blocking, I guess. Yeah. Normally, and especially actually in the period of the 1930s, where there was still such a strong link between theatre and film, you do the process of getting the script in the room and then you block it. So you, mm. uh, I'm going to stand up here or like one of the actors will be like, I feel like I want to stand up here. And then Capra will go, yeah, I like that. Give it a shot or nah, stay seated and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, all of that is, it's smart blocking and staging decisions. Yeah. And um, I've completely missed this. My favorite scene in the film, the bit where- they're having like, uh, was it Diz and um, Saunders? Saunders 
are having like a drunk conversation <laughs> at like a restaurant or a bar. And or she's like bipolar as fuck. She's going like left. She's going right. And like the her dialogue is so like. <laughs> I'm not having any of it. See? It's so good. I really, really love that scene because they're yeah. both- They did, like, pretty convincing drunk, yeah. like, speak, and it pulls out a lot about their characters in, like, a really, really neat way. That that was where I was like, okay, Jean Arthur is acting her fucking ass off here. That <laughs> bit where she has the whole, like, rant when she comes back to Jefferson to, like, pack up all her shit and quit, mm. and she, like, full just, like- Spiels at him, just like vomits words at him, mm. and yeah, that entire scene, she is so so powerful. Mm. And again, like that dialogue is just so fucking like rapid. <laughs> I love it. What do you think? You would would you like me to have a different name? How about Susan? Susan? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> It's 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 wonderful. I I think that brings out just about more out of any of the characters than than much else the film does. Yeah, for some and the reason. unrequited love thing didn't feel too trivial or over the top for me. Yeah, um, it was a little weird. It was a little weird. I think Jefferson is just a fucking dumb puppy, and I don't think he he you know. He didn't see the, the shit right in front of him until mm. it was fucking- Until Saunders is like, On paper, dickhead, I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. Has to go until, like, right at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And he's like, oh, Susan. My, my Susan. 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 Then I think- Oh, wait, no, he does go on a date with her, but it goes badly yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. I, and I love- I just- the, the hat gag is the best for-, yeah. for the, Whenever I think of Susan Payne, I don't think of Susan Payne, the character. I think of Jimmy Stewart doing the hat gag. So, him trying to do shit with the fucking hat, it is- Ah, it's such good physical comedy because it's so simple, but like it works because it's in keeping to his character. It doesn't betray the ideals of his character. It's- ah, it's smart. Mm-hmm. I wish that we'd seen that second date, or maybe you just had like a taste of it, maybe. Mm. But maybe, maybe it was montage. Maybe it was in there, and they they were like, "Eh, it's not worth the trouble." It yeah, might have been something like keep that. Keep the pace or something. Yeah, mm. I will say I don't quite. I'll. I would be interested to hear your take on this, but I don't quite understand Payne's objectives throughout the third act because he's obviously taking. Deep grief and remorse to all of the shit that he's doing to Jefferson, framing him mm. and completely tossing him under the bus. Mm. But in the public eye, he is still, like, so fucking fierily advocating against everything that Jefferson is for. So, but then in private, you know, he's, he's you know, got his head in his hands and he's, you know, like, oh, God, I hate myself. And, like, he's he's still fundamentally saving his own skin and working for Taylor. But... I don't know. Is it because he feels trapped? Like, he can't help? Like, it's I think just- so. It is I, what it is? He's got this long-term uh, job slash, you know, like, this- pe- People don't want to fucking lose their job, generally. Sure. Yeah. It's a bit of a- It's a bit of a problem, normally. I, I guess uh, also in the 1930s, sure. Because, like, it's- Fucking- It'd ruin him, you know? And it does. It, he's yeah. fully aware that it would ruin his career, I suppose. But, like- Still, to be that desperate to betray your friend's son and mm. I just- I, It doesn't make sense to me when he's so- like, And he- Well, I guess he does give Jefferson the warning of like, fucking get out, kid. This place is too hardcore for you. And if you don't, shit's going to get fiery. I think, yeah, mm. 
that makes sense. But like, I don't know. It just didn't add up for me. Like, I was like, if you're being such a fucking wuss about it, just fucking help the prick. Like, <laughs> I think that is. I think he's just showing how trapped he feels by his relationship his circumstances. with Taylor. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah, so. so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it didn't make sense to me. I was just like, dickhead, help! Like the the film could have been like thirty to forty minutes shorter if Payne just went, oh yeah, Taylor's a dickhead, and then ba 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 ba. All right, cool. Moving on. The film does have to happen, Douglas, for the <laughs> film to happen. So, I I didn't think it, it didn't feel that crazy for me. It felt like that was, and they were kind of trying to set that up in the beginning, just how much he's sort of he puts on like appearance of being in charge himself, but he's yes. really just Taylor's lapdog, and he just yeah. he's just there to like talk happy down to the level that he wants him at, that kind of yeah. thing. So I will say, fuck the implica after. Jefferson, like, faints in the middle of the, the, the Senate and everything, and then mm. Payne, like, fucking bolts out and goes to try and top himself with the gun. Fucking- I was like, whoa, we're taking it there, Capra? <laughs> Holy shit. Like, you hear the gunshot, and you're like, oh, shit, like, is, is fucking- pa- is someone shot Payne? Or, you know, like, what's going on? But then, you know, it cuts to him outside in, like, the fucking frenzy being like, I don't want to live anymore. And he, like, you know, kicks in the door and everything, which he immaculately acted, by the way, by Claude Rains. Mm. But I was just, I was so surprised that, like, the reality of that situation, the how genuine Capra wanted to be with that moment, rather than, I was so used to Payne just sucking and whining about everything that mm. I didn't think he'd actually have the fucking kahunis to try and top himself outside the fucking Senate room before, yeah, then coming back in and spilling his guts. It's, yeah, I was completely taken aback by that. It's a very quick change of heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a little weird, but, mm, you know, it's, it's, I, 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 well, no, actually, I guess I do sort of, it, the film sort of like wraps itself, uh, wraps itself up at the end very, very quickly. neatly. Yeah. When, when Payne does his big, like, it's all true thing. That's yeah, like, like oh. in the last minute of the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, and the film's weakness to me definitely feels like that back end where it's like, mm. he's got this, yeah, he's got this whole filibuster, but he doesn't really say anything. Yeah. And then, except like right at the end where he's like, oh, I'm going to keep fighting because it's the right thing to do. And then that's what gives Payne the change of heart. But he's like kind of just babbling. I, I, I don't Who's know. babbling shit? Smith. Uh, Smith is, yeah. Well, the whole point of him babbling shit is to be able to keep the floor, you know. Yeah. Until, yeah, until yeah. someone will pay attention and actually- But it's a movie. Like, say something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Better monologues, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's got like his monologue right at the end, but I'm like, I, I, but- I don't know. Prior to that, I guess, yeah, he's reading, like, the Declaration of Independence and then, um, uh, what's the book that Saunders gives him? Uh, Constitution or something, right? Uh, no, it's- Constitution. It's just, uh, it's not the Constitution. Constitution's on a book, Douglas. I think it's just a book of, like, Senate law, because that's where he gets one of the articles for, like- Oh, yeah, for, uh, the quorum, um, they need yeah. to be present. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I don't know. I just like Jimmy Stewart, man. Yeah, Jimmy Stewart. He makes me feel good. Carry the fuck out of this movie, let's be honest. He makes me feel very nice. Well, uh, I'm assuming you're- uh, By the the tonality- I've done enough episodes with you now, Jonathan, to hear the tonality in your voice where you're going, Trivia now, please, so I can take a back seat in this episode. Hey, hey. I ran out of notes. (laughs) (laughs) It was- It was- It felt like a hard one to, to kind of talk about, but it was- 
you, I, I'd summarize it pretty simply as like, it's got a, a very kind of bright eyed feeling to the whole film. Yes. And it tells a pretty straightforward story with a couple of little back and forths and like the romance, which feels very classic to us now, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a little, I don't know. I guess we're just fucking bad at this, but it's, it's a bit difficult to, for me to say much more than that. Critically. Yeah. Mm, mm. I don't know. I, I can agree with that. It's, you know... It was still extremely enjoyable. I think it's because, again, we still don't really have that much of a frame of reference in this kind of a error, mm. you know? We've yeah. got we've got uh, all of the Buster Keatons under our belt. All of them. Two of them. Yep. And then we still got... Fuck it. We still got Chaplin to come, man. We haven't had any Chaplin yet. And I mean, like, again, he's a decade prior to this. But, like, mm. still, it's... It's a very evolving period, like the 20s, 30s, 40s. There's, a, I think, a good level of differentiation, but at the same time, there's enough linking threads between all of them. Yeah. If that makes any sense. You know, I think they'll... Once we have more of this early cinema era under our belts, perhaps we'll be able to talk about it a little bit better. Fingies crossed. <laughs> a shame that also the Buster Keaton ones were also comedies and we suck about talking talking about comedies, but yeah. here we are. Trivia. Yeah. In 1942, when a ban on American films was imposed in German-occupied France, the title theatres chose Mrs. Smith Goes to Washington for their last movie before the ban went into effect. One Paris theatre reportedly screened the film non-stop for 30 days prior to the ban. Oh, my goodness. So, people I mean- are fucking here for it. That's so weird. That seems so wild. Well, it's it, fucking totally, right? Like, it's Nazis are in fucking full swing. So, if anything that had a fucking glimmer of optimism in it, dude, especially, <laughs> I guess, relating to politics, I would have pounced on that shit. Mm, I guess so, yeah. So, fucking German-occupied France, man. That's ugh, oh, crazy. Oh, German- Nothing quite like Nothing, nothing quite like- mm. Uh <laughs> The film was bitterly denounced by Washington insiders, angry at its allegations of corruption, yet banned by fascist states in Europe who are afraid it showed that democracy works. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I said to John before we started the podcast, I was like, I have one bit of trivia and it is the only bit of trivia about mm. this fucking film. But that's it. Like, yeah, yeah. There's something so fucking beautifully poetic about that. Yeah. That statement it's ah, i can't believe it both ways baby yeah yeah jean arthur's left side was considered her best side so the sets had to be constructed in a way that whenever (laughs) she entered she would be photographed on that side uh they're always so weird with ladies in this era mm, but no 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 no. i don't i don't even think they're uh, they're weird with the ladies i think the other way around. I think the ladies of it, like, they have a way that they want to be photographed. And if you're not going to photograph me like that, you can fuck off and go find another actress who's going to fucking do your silly little bloody shindig here. Because I'm not having it. You're not photographing my left side. You're not going to build all the sets around that. You can fucking <laughs> suck a fat one. <laughs> I'm the one female <laughs> character in this movie. You better film me right. The set, the set designers are standing there going, we just, we just build everything. <laughs> <laughs> we built it all backwards. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> There's no way you can reverse the footage and then maybe uh, that yeah. maybe that'll just work. Maybe she'll she'll believe it. To make his voice hoarse for the filibuster scene, Jimmy Stewart dried out his throat with bicarbonate of soda. Ah. However, Mm. Uh, both Frank Capra and Stuart revealed in interviews that his throat was periodically swabbed with mercuric chloride. Oh my goodness. So 
Man she could just do a bunch of shouting, dude. Full it, yeah. <laughs> don't, car, don't, need a, don't need oh. to manufacture that shit. Just make it happen. Oh, oh, yuck. Okay. Ah, well, ah, good we on go. you. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, uh, questions are being answered. The set for the Senate chamber was constructed on two newly built adjoining stages at Columbia, stage eight and nine. The set uh. was built almost to scale and was at that time the largest set built on a Columbia soundstage. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so, okay. And it and seemed- like dead on one to one for me because it the fact yeah. that it evoked the same feeling of the actual Senate, <laughs> the footage that I had seen, the fucking, yeah, dips my lid to the set department. They, Some, they Someone's doing it. something right. Yeah. This was reportedly Jean Arthur's favorite of her films. Oh, nice. She gets a good Go character. It, it's a fun character for her to play. Hmm. Oh, here we go. More questions being answered. Originally, the ending was much, much longer. It included scenes such as Mr. Smith going back to his home state and being given a parade with Saunders, the Taylor machine being crushed, Smith on a motorcycle and stopping to see Senator Payne, forgiving him and everyone going to see Smith's mother, who gives Saunders her blessing as a daughter-in-law. It was cut after a preview audience's response. Two brief shots of parades are seen in the theatrical trailer. Right, okay, yeah. So, test test audiences went, uh-uh. I feel like maybe they a went, short parade. Boring! Like a 20, 30 second parade. <laughs> the movie's the end or something. done, I want to go home. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do wonder if that was I more an audience taste thing. washing over me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, whether that was an audience taste thing or whether that yeah. was- mm legitimately just that the specific epilogue did suck and they yeah, didn't want to yeah. put in there maybe Capra mm. whiffed it who knows Capra 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 uh, <laughs> during Smith's filibuster he mostly sticks to improvisation and reading from historical documents the declaration of independence and the constitution yeah you said he didn't However, during one scene, immediately following the montage of the dueling newspapers, he reads from the King James Bible, specifically the love passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Right. Uh, okay, wait. You want to say Constitution? <laughs> Fucking big. Me talking I don't about think it's that big. John's out here. Nah, Constitution. Get the, get the fuck out of here. Oh, that's right. They have like little pocket versions of the yeah, book. Yeah, of the Constitution. I think it's that big, though. How many pages is it? Is Amazon going to tell me uh, or am I just going to, like... Uh, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> what are we going to do, National <laughs> Treasure, man? Uh, we can do that. Hell yeah. It's 30 pages, all right? Give we me did- a fucking ah, break. We haven't done the Nick Cage match yet. Oh, we haven't. Ah! Wait, do we have a Nick Cage... I feel like there aren't any other Nick Cage because films we watch, in Because we uh, watch Willy's Wonderland in our own time. we gotta, we got to wait for that new one to come out. You know, the one with um Pedro Pascal and all that. The uh, the unbearable weight of of something talent, something talent, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. incredible talent. For that I think one. it is something like that. And then we can put, yeah, we can put National Treasure on the other side. Yeah, we know it. That works perfectly for me. The film was nominated for eleven Academy Awards and winning only one for Best Original Story. It became the first film to lose at least ten awards. Ooh, Ooh rough. it stings for Capra. But I mean, like, whatever. Fucking, he got the whole wham bam with that happened one night. So I wouldn't be complaining too much. No. If I were uh, Mr. Capra, suck it up. 
Yeah, dickhead. Uh, Jimmy Stewart was delighted with his role and began to attend The Rushes, something he had seldom done with his films at MGM. Frank Capra screened the footage at the projection room in his house. Stewart said, quote, The first time I stopped off at Capra's house, I was there an hour and 40 minutes. There was take after take from every angle. He really covered himself. Every scene from every angle. Well, I didn't stay to the end. The next night, it was clearly going to be even longer. After an hour, I turned to Frank. He was fast asleep. End quote. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Needless that's to awesome. say, Stuart soon went back to avoiding dailies. <laughs> that's that's great. Oh <laughs> uh, god, because yeah, I bet that was a, a huge thing for directors of the time. They wanted like could you fucking you want to get every single angle you possibly can. You want to have mm. everything. So in the editing room, you can just be like, yeah, that, 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 and that. Mm. You want options, more options and less. The film finished shooting eight days over schedule and $288,660 over budget. Yikes. We only to reel in one out of fucking 11 Academy Awards that you got nominated for. Yeah, that's got to be rough for Columbia. I'm assuming it made a profit, though. I believe it did. Yes. Definitely after all the residuals, it made a profit. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, let me take a quick peek here. Estimate. Ooh, you know what? Actually, not looking so good. Not not an opening night. No, but Death. like cumulative worldwide gross. Okay. Estimated budget, $1.9 million. Yeah. Gross for the USA, $144,738. Ooh, that's, that sucks. Oh, stinky. And and in the opening weekend, it was $83,000. That's got to feel bad for Capra. That stings. But it's one of those films. It's it's patriotic. It's American. Those motherfuckers eat that shit up. Yeah, and the Parisians apparently got into it. So fucking surely there would have been... Hang on. I want to check the numbers on that. That doesn't seem quite entirely right to me. Mr. Swift goes to Washington... Uh, worldwide gross. Bear with me here, editing John. You got it. Hi, it's me, editing John. <laughs> editing John. I bet there's actually not going to be any nut. Nah, yeah, nah, there's like no numbers on it. Oh, okay. The, the, okay, to, to clarify, the numbers that I just read were for a 2018 re-release, which checks out. Oh, okay. And that was a domestic USA re-release. Doesn't actually look like there's any numbers on the original release. If mm. you're if you're looking at IMDb uh, Pro, uh, you've got original release of October nineteenth, nineteen thirty nine, domestic markets, and they're just all blank. So, well, I hope he did good and he got a, a- mystery to be sure, Douglas. <laughs> to be sure, to be sure, to be sure. Oh, oh no, maybe maybe some light, maybe some light. Let me see, let me see, maybe. Father Poppy box office, a box office success upon its release, according to Wikipedia. Mamma mia. Mamma mia, earning theatrical rentals of $3.5 million in the United States alone. They did fine. It became the second highest grossing film of 1939. (laughs) You were about to call it a flop. (laughs) I was not. (laughs) Oh, whoa. 1939 was a really good year. For what? For movies? Yeah. What else happened? It was behind Gone with the Wind and Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Hitler's favorite film. (laughs) 
Yeah. I still love that that's like, that's the only bit of trivia that everyone remembers about Snow White now is that it's Hitler's favorite film. God damn it. <laughs> I, dude, fucking. Th- so, the Academy Award for Best Writing Original Story, right? That didn't go to anyone that participated in the film. That Academy Award went to Lewis R. Foster, who wrote the original story. So everyone who participated in the film didn't get shit. But the guy who wrote the original story, he gets the award. I love that. That's huge. (laughs) That's fucking... Oh, perfect. Uh... Well, there you go. That's that's all the trivia I got. That's all he's got. All right. Yep. You you really kept me on the edge there before, just absolutely dumping me. <laughs> you fucking, fucking bastard. Tossing you off the edge. Well, what a movie, Douglas. Do you agree? Yeah, I like what it. What a what a film. I think it's fun. It was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hard to talk about, but a good time. Yeah. Good fun time. I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty Well, good. okay. If you've got nothing more interesting to say, I guess I, I'll just have- look, fucking just get out of here, man. Yeah, I'll If you enjoyed this episode of the 250 podcast, <laughs> uh, we put episodes out every week, uh, Tuesday midnight in Australia, which comes out to Monday afternoons in Europe and Monday mornings in America. Uh, if you want to contact us directly, you can email us at mail at 250.com. Oh, my God. Or check out our Instagram at 250pod, T-W-O-F-I-B-E-O-H-P-O-D. Douglas, where can people go if they want to see the entire list of podcasts? You can see the full episodes. list of... <sighs> Wait, films. They're not even films. The films. You can see the full list of the films that we took as a snapshot. Back in January of 2020 at list.250.com. That's L-I-S-T dot T-W-O-F-I-V-E-O-H dot com. Uh, whack that into your favorite web browser and you will find a color-coded by genre list of the films that are upcoming and have been before in the 250. All that is now and has been and never will be. <laughs> uh, if you in- if you if you if you if you this is not if you enjoyed anything we use Letterboxd, which is a movie tracking and reviewing website. Uh, we're both rather big fans of it. We uh, my account is Uber. There's U U U P A H and Douglas. Mine is I E N Z O K N I G H T. That's Ienzo Knight with a K. Whack in two five O Upa or Ienzo Knight into the letterbox search engine, and you will find us respectively. Uh, we document all of the films that we talk about here on the two five O in a written format, as well as any other films that we've been watching. Uh, I haven't been watching films, but I have been watching Amazon Prime's Invincible. Ooh. Uh, which is uh, created by Robert Kirkman of Batman Animated fame. I believe it's Batman Animated. But holy shit, it, it's really good. Uh, if you're into like old like 90s animated comic book stuff, fucking get behind it because shit's really good. Hmm. It's just like animation-wise, story-wise, uh, it's, it's like the Batman, but like, for adults, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, he wrote. Oh, the motherfucker. He wrote for Walking Dead. That's what it is. Uh, He's um. Oh, he wrote the, okay. the Walking Dead uh, graphic novels. Oh, that ex- okay. That explains why fucking 
Invincible has the fucking bite that it does. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. There's so many There's so many fucking voice actors in Invincible where I hear them and I'm like, you've been in something. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Justin Roiland is in it. He voices like three or four characters in it. It's the best. Mark Hamill's in it. J.K. Simmons, Stephen Ewan. Uh, the chick who voices Azula. It's crazy. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Justin Roiland, I realized the other day, is um, uh, Lemon Grab in Adventure Time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I only just realized that the other it day. checks out, doesn't it? Mm. And J.K. Simmons, I, I, we, we chatted about this in private, but he is the same actor as- um, uh, the same VA as Cave Johnson from Portal. Yes. Yes. And he, he does not- augment his voice at all <laughs> so there's a couple of scenes in there and i'm like if you if you listen to it without looking you're like is that you're like wait a second wait a minute is, he- wait a minute. is that from the video game is this a <laughs> the video game anyway douglas has told me to watch it international I'm not going rapper to baby um because it'll uh depress me Yes, no, it is relatively um, hmm. full on i would say so and i don't need that right now douglas yeah that's completely fine Mm. You don't need um, to need it right now. Yeah. I need to not need it, actually. Okay. And I don't. Do. Do. Do you I, not. Do need. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That one. All right. Fuck it. See you guys. <laughs> bye. Okay, See you next bye. week. Fuck off. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.